and welcome to the Midlife Athlete Podcast. Another edition with uh, your hosts, me, Jason, and Greg. Hope you're feeling better from your head cold, mate. I am. I am feeling much better. Uh, raring to go. Haven't done my burpees yet, but I'm, uh, that'll be tomorrow. Um, this episode is, for me, and probably for you as well, incredibly exciting because um, we have a listener who reached out to us uh, and asked some questions, um, which is exactly what we want. And 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 now we thought, well, let's get him on. So um, welcome to the podcast, JC Kangilla. Um, it's been great to finally get this in the diary with the time difference. You're over in on the west coast of um, of the states. So welcome, welcome to the welcome to the podcast. No, thank you, thank you both for having me, and thank you for responding so gently to my uh typed out list of 20 questions um and and uh it's exciting to, to be here uh, i find that you guys help uh help me tremendously and think in being more thoughtful around uh being an athlete what it means my exercise program what i should be planning to do um and i have a bunch of questions for you so, um, oh, wow. so i'm excited more questions great that's what we want um i should probably set some context so we, um, as listeners probably already know, have been kind of talking to a bunch of athletes and uh, experts. And what that enabled us to sort of do was to start, if you like each episode, if, if you think of it as a jigsaw piece, looking at the bigger jigsaw puzzle. And um, so during the summer months, uh, we put out a Substack newsletter, which was a very first draft working version of um, a framework that we felt uh, midlife athletes should so the things that they should be thinking about really um, and specifically midlife athletes because one of the things that we learned um, pretty early doors when we were going started this podcast is there's lots of studies and lots of material for people at the lower end so the 20s 30s or maybe even professional athletes there's starting to be some work done at the at sort of the latter stages, but that's a lot in the middle. Um, really, there's not a lot out there. Um, so, so that's so that was the basis. We put out the newsletter. You very kindly responded and sent us an email saying this is great, but I've got a bunch of questions around around the framework. So that's the context for how we we we, we kind of got started. Um, maybe the thing to do, JC, is because. You sort of, when you reached out, you had a sort of you you were had a specific stuff in mind about how you were balancing your marathon training. I think, right? Yeah, yeah, no, happy to give you a quick background, and then you know some specifics uh, questions. It might be the best way to kind of get into the conversation and reserve rights to come back for for more. So um, the easiest way to to explain. My scenario is a, just a quick bio. I, I am currently 42 years old, uh, married, father of two, living in Los Angeles. I have a, a nine-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, so we kind of uh, started the clock back again in, in uh, raising a youngster uh, during pandemic, which was uh, highly recommend for, for you and listeners. If there's another pandemic, please go have a baby. It's the best best use of time. Um, I... Uh, I was, uh, uh, and she's kept us active uh, throughout. Um, the um, I, I played a ton of sports growing up, um, including in, in uh, enduring 
college and um, hit my 20s and kind of uh, felt like I, I you know, uh, drafted off of all that early um, uh, sports playing and, and didn't really give a ton of thought to physical health whatsoever. It just felt natural. I could go and wake up and run if I wanted to and, and and, uh, but didn't feel the need to in any days. Um, fast forward, uh, and I'm in uh, 38, 39. I'm, I have a somewhat stressful job. I'm running a company. Um, I've got uh, a young Jack is, you know, in his uh, three or four at this point. And, um, and everything is, is not working, right? Um, including um, exercise. And um, uh, I remember sitting both with my parents and my wife uh, during Christmas time uh, at some point and hearing on the radio or seeing in the news that the LA Marathon was happening in February. So this is December. And I jokingly said, you know, I think I'm just going to run the marathon this year. And um, I don't think I was prepared <laughs> for how aghast um, my wife and my dad were. Um, didn't they were playing back to me, my poor health, um, in their concern that I was serious about, about doing this thing. Um, and as life tends to happen, uh, or sometimes what people say, the universe tends to happen. Um, uh, uh, during that holiday season, at the end of the holiday season, there was a NPR story that came on as I was driving to work. And, and the story was uh, a middle-aged dad, his name is Jonathan Terrell. Um, and he, uh, is answering questions. And the first question is Jonathan, you know, why are you here on the program? And Jonathan says, I was a middle-aged dad. I was overweight. I couldn't get on the floor with my kids. This all sounds very familiar to me. And, uh, and so I started running and here I am four years later and I am raising money and awareness for an organization. And in doing that, I'm running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. And um, you both may have had this experience of just like, oh, I want this, right? That my immediate reaction was, I, I want to play a part in whatever this guy's doing. Um, and so I reached out and, and we had a nice kind of email banter back and forth and helped uh, raise a little bit of money for his cause. Um, and, uh, I, I did it. I started to go out and, um, sort of train <laughs> seriously for the marathon, uh, and, uh, found myself running in February, November, February, November for the, for the past few years. Um, and, uh, and really enjoyed that experience and, and found that the more miles that I ran, the more, um, the more mentally healthy that I got, the more that I enjoyed the activity of, of getting the miles in, the more I look forward to it, the more that I was crabby when I wasn't doing it. Um, and so all of that was amazing. And I think I've done, uh, I think 10 marathon sets. It's been spectacular times have kind of gone down and they kind of started inching back up. Right. Um, at some point and, um, and then pandemic hit. And so that kind of leads me to my, to my question of, of how to think about this next chapter of my midlife athlete life. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't have the miles in this year to run the, the February LA marathon and, and potentially could get back on that pace. Um, I've also gotten distracted, um, both by having a kid and, and life. And so I find myself, uh, sometimes going to the bike, sometimes picking up weights, sometimes trying this thing called yoga. Um, and I really would love, and I loved your framework that hit my inbox of like, here's a way to think about, 
what I understood. Here's a way to think about your your athletic journey for the next few years of your life. Um, and so uh, my questions to you were like, so what, what should I do? <laughs> How should I think about it? <clears throat> well, I'll I'll, I'll I'll kick it off with by saying that um, I think the, f- the first thing that shone through is you've probably got two outcomes in, in your head, I would have thought, JC. One of them is short term. Uh, I'm going to do another marathon um, or I'm going to you know, maybe extend the distance or whatever it might be. Um, and then you've probably got outcome two, which is sort of longer term, um, which is, you know, I'd like to sort of still be able to get on the floor and play with my grandkids. Um, so not your kids at, at this point in time. And and, and you want to sort of, you know, generally have a healthy span in that sort of older, older age. And I don't think that those two outcomes are incompatible. Um, it's not like, you know, if you do one, you, you know, the other one just is going to have to fall by the wayside. I think what we were trying to do with the framework and our thinking was to say, actually, the two are compatible. And what you do in your short term for your short term goals will serve you well for, you know, the sort of longer, longer term uh, outcome. Greg, over to you. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. But these, I think this, the, for me, it comes down to the specificity of training. And I think that when you're, if you're, if you want to run a marathon, you've got to do lots of running. In fact, you know, and if you want to run a marathon well, my, my, with a lot of clients, I see, obviously, when I say a client, it's a person who's come to me and they're they're injured, <laughs> and either they they can't do what they want to do, or they're or they um, they can do it but not very well. Um, so the specificity of training is really key. So. Running is important for for an for, for any any endurance sport. You've got to do lots of it. Um, so, what I would say is, if you can look at your how you used to, used to run the marathons when there was no um, when there was less constraints on your life, what is different now? Obviously, there's by the sounds of it, you've just got less time to run. Um, um, is that is, is that is that a fair ana- analysis? No, I, I think you've you've um, Greg, you've done a good job of like let's get deeper into the onion, right? So, so there's a couple things that that have happened in in my life. One is yes, I have a lot less time to run, uh, and it feels even more selfish to do the thing where I say, "Hey, wife, hey, kids, I'm going to go and do you know 15 miles and come back and be miserable and tired and not hang out on the Saturday." So that there's that consideration. Um, and, uh, you know, Greg, I think the other thing that you had talked about in previous, um, episodes, you know, I also piled up some in- injuries in the interim too. So I uh, happened to break my foot in, uh, in, in a June timeframe. Um, uh, and the notion of, and, um, and so that let, you know, was a setback here. Um, but, but all of this le- leads me to think, well, okay, um, to, to take a big step to start training for the marathon, I know is weeks and months uh, of a commitment. Um, and I also uh, want to get on the floor with my grandkids. And does it mean that I am sacrificing things like hip mobility exercises and yoga um, by choosing to spend 
my, the time that I have allotted for exercise in my life, um, doing long runs. Um, and, and there is a little bit of a trade-off there. So, um, uh, those are just some of the thoughts that, that I had as you, as a, as well, that's, a, as a that's, that's a good point because when you, when I read your email and you mentioned about that, that do I, do I forego hip mobility exercises and the yoga as a means to allow me to run more? Um, what I would say to, to all my clients, I, I hear it all the time. I hear myself saying it all the time is that people run, a lot of people run to get fit. Um, but they're not fit to run. And and it, it is, you have to be conditioned to be able to run. Now, and again, I use the analogy of, of um, uh, a, mar- a javelin thrower, an, an elite javelin thrower. He doesn't throw javelins all day. He spends an inordinately large amount of time training to throw javelins a long way. And I I mean, another one is, is a 110-meter hurdler, an elite 110 meter hurdle I trained, uh, I, 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 I treated over the years. Just fought it. He used to come to me every week, whether he was injured or not. But what was in it really interesting in, in his in his event it was obviously completely different from an endurance event. But the analogies do 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 stay there. Is that he would, you know, when you're doing a 110 meter hurdle, the actual full height hurdle. You can't do anything other than do it 100. percent You've got to you've got to sprint over. It's too high otherwise. So that so he would only do, be doing that on a six to ten week cycle. He would only be doing the high hurdles, highest hurdles, a week or so before competition. Everything else was at was at a lower level, just to enable him to the point when he needed it, he would do 100. He would do 100. percent So when it comes to training. Um, your for a marathon you need to have all your little components working well and spending time doing your hip mobility doing your yoga is going to be absolutely invaluable for for running a marathon and for getting off the floor when you're older so the 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 two go hand in hand and i would say yeah do not drop yeah keep running but maybe it might be a case of looking looking at running and making your running time more efficient um, that's the 80-20, you know, that, that polarized training. Are you trying to do too much intensity to make up for the fact you're not running enough? Which is what I used to do with my cycling. I used to do a huge amount of high-intensity hit training to make get myself fitter quicker. But it, you can only do so much of that before you start breaking down. So doing all that low that low level, lo, slower, longer runs, but slow, but um, but but lower lower intensity. Means you, you're going to be in a better shape for when you do actually come to your marathon. So that's that's why that's yeah no. So, I, I, no, Greg, I, I think um, you know this is great. I think that this is really the question that that led me to the framework, or I'm trying to grapple with with the framework, which uh, and you're, you're pulling it out of me, which is what do I choose to train for? right um versus maintain um and i think what i'm coming to is i can train for marathon and incorporate a bunch of other exercises um underneath that including yoga and hip openers and those fun things um or i could uh it it feels like to me i only have the capacity to train for one or maybe maybe one and a half things right and so if i were to try to get stronger um which is another 
goal of mine and add muscle weight, um, it feels incompatible with choosing to train for a marathon at, at the exact same time. Um, and so part of the reason I really like the framework is to think about how to make choices around athletic endeavors and practices and training and sequencing training over a period of time. That's not just what I want to do on Saturday, but a period of years. Um, and uh, so anyway, I have that. Uh, so thank you for, for uh, breaking down a little bit and getting me back to the mindset to, of what am I training? Just add, you can, <clears throat> you should probably think of it as doing a little bit of both. Um, so, and this is where the nuance comes, I think, in with being a, a midlife athlete as opposed to someone in your twenties. There's there's certain things that you you could probably get away with in your twenties that you can't get away with in your in your forties and fifties. Um, you know, we know, for example, that you will lose muscle mass as you get older. Um, we know that actually muscle mass becomes quite important for a whole bunch of endurance sports. So. So what you've got to do, and I think part of the framework is also suggesting that you've got to balance that. So whereas in your 20s, you might just go out and run five times a week. In your 40s and 50s, probably you've got to start being a little bit smarter about when you run and how you run. So it's about consistency. Consistency is going to give you the adaptation and the improvement over a period of time to run consistency you've got to start running at a lower intensity so that you don't get injured and you can actually just put sessions together and string them together. Um, but at the same time, and it just ties in with Greg's point, is lose a running session and throw in a mobility strength session. Um, and so that's the choices that you're making. And I think what that then enables you to do is to achieve those two outcomes. Yes, you can run your marathon in the short term, but actually it allows you to keep running marathons for the next 10, 20 years. Um, mm. And over a period of time, what you should probably start to see is a level of improvement because if you've got that 80, 20 intensity right, um, you shouldn't, or you shouldn't get injured, but you'll certainly get injured probably less frequently. Um, you'll be more consistent you'll be putting together an awful lot more aerobic uh, sort of engine uh, sessions, which means that, you know, over time you, you can actually, you know, improve and that curve doesn't actually feel like a declining curve. It can, it can to a certain degree go, go the other way. So <clears throat> I think that's the other element to the framework is it's, it's making choices, but it's also making choices, um, you know, across those two outcomes that, that that I talked about earlier, really. And then there's a whole other elements to it as well, right? So it's not just the exercise, it's thinking about some of the lifestyle factors as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, maybe you think, well, I, I'll have to reduce my alcohol intake. I'm not saying you knock it out altogether, because that's part of enjoyment of life and what have you. But you may think, well, I'm going to reduce it in the week, because I'm got to throw in a little bit more running sessions or training sessions and it's difficult to do that um if if we you know we know that alcohol impacts things like your parasympathetic activity so so those are the some of the other choices that you've you've, you've kind of got to throw in as well greg i know you were you were itching to interject i was it was it was well no 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 it was, it was more just to back, back in what you were saying about if you if you whilst you may not have felt you've got the the amount you, you're not, you haven't trained in the same way for the next marathon. 
or you feel like you haven't got enough time to do it, you can still, you, you, you just reset your expectations as well. You think, okay, I'm going to, it will be a slower time. And, and that's fine, but I'm just going to, I am going to get around it. And the fact that you've done 10 marathons already, you've got, you know, you can do it. And it, and we know how, what a, how big a, a sort of mental, having the right mental attitude when you approach something like an endurance event, like a marathon is, is so, so important. So you've got that in spades, which is fantastic. But what Jason was saying about the um, being able to run, continue to run your marathons um, by getting it, you know, getting it right now is 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 really is is key because I've, I've I've said I've alluded to this on the podcast in the past, but I don't see very many old runners or older runners. They have they just don't come to me. I I see the young younger runners in their sort of twenties thirties who are trying to smash it and can't. And and the older runner seems has just found their niche. They found their their whether they're just automatically doing the 80-20 rule. They're just they find well I can't run, I can't do my sprint training or my hill my hill uh, sessions as as hard as I used to do. I'm just going to go with what my body feels like. And they found they have found their their niche, I suppose. Um, so it, it is it is the um, and when you when you describe your your history of how you sort of played a lot of sport when you were younger and then had had some time off and came back to it, that's God. You're you're describing millions of people, um, and and in terms of what I see is that it's that mindset of I I'm still twenty, I can still do it, and then they try and overdo it, and they've got <laughs> little discrepancies in their system. They just yeah, they're just not. The mind is saying you can do it, the body just says no. Nope. Not yet. <laughs> let's let's do some prep work first. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, if you absolutely, if, you, if just looking at your what, how, just examine how you ran the last, how you trained for the last. You're not going to have as much time, but you say, okay, I'm just going to do things a little bit more. Don't try and don't try and shoehorn in big events or big training sessions into your week. I used to do that with my cycling. It didn't really work. Um, it just makes you tired and and more prone to injury. But yeah, just say, okay, I'm going to just do everything a bit slower. My, on the day, I'm just going to go at a, at a different pace and just try and, and just finish. So that might be just a, it's just being a bit more a bit more yeah. wise, I suppose. Yeah. No, I, I think you you've you've hit the nail on the head on um, the approach has to be different than, than younger days. Um, and the preparation obviously has to be different but JC, than you... younger days too. I, I have a, a slightly different question. Well, I just, I just you, wanted you to ask you at the moment, are you, then, are you trying to bash out like a long run on the weekends? Is that the. Uh, I, I was, and then I hurt my foot and that kind of put me on a different path. So I, I've been doing a lot of, um, um, mm. stationary bike, uh, which is less demanding on, on legs, but keeps the, uh, the, uh, or, uh, aerobic capacity higher. Um, although it's not this, you know, for me, it's not the same. I, I hear other people say the same thing too. Right. Um, and so I think what I, where I'm leaning towards is that I have a, uh, February half that I've signed up for. And, and what I'd like to do is like, instead of jamming a training in 
uh, in the early part of the winter, really kind of extend and give myself the time to to train up for, for that thing um, and let that one be the kind of bridge to get getting back into longer distances. I was going to suggest, um, yeah, I was going to suggest two, 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 two things. One was don't don't go straight in at the marathon, maybe just peg it back to do a half marathon. And the other thing is instead of trying to think about doing that long run on the weekend, which um, could potentially tip you over into an injury, sounds like that might, might have been the case. Also, it means that you feel guilty about going out doing a long run when you should be helping out with a, with, with a little one and so on. And maybe actually what you can do is just think about doing more shorter sessions through the course of the week. So instead of maybe just doing two runs with one of them being a long run, just think of doing four runs, but they can be they can be shorter. And then you can always, um, and again, it comes back to that framework, is if you're going to do four runs, maybe just make one of them a, a kind of a harder session. So you're working on more of your VO2. And then the other ones are just really nice and easy in that zone too, so that you can actually you know recover from them and, and go out again the next day if, if you need to. Greg. What what I would also what I would also add, JC, is is that um, um, if you were if you were a client coming to me with an injured foot, and you said to me, um, you know, I need to I want to run a half marathon half marathon in February, I'd be saying that's perfectly feasible. Um, so absolutely, and, and if you said to me, I want to run a marathon in February, it'll be well, is it the beginning or the end of February? Because that will give us you know, an extra few weeks, but, but, um, but yeah, you, 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 you can, you can, you can get, um, you, you're on, you're on the cusp of being able to do it, but you, how you how you get there will be again, you, how you manage your training. So you would be doing a lot less high impact running and doing more, um, um, low impact, st- um, stationary bike stuff. Um, but at the same time, you can you can offset some of the lack of impact from the running with strength training. So so you, I'll get you on a program of, of strength training for, for, your, for your legs um, at the same time, and and ensure that your each component of each leg is doing its bit. So if you're so what I would also add is that you know there's there's two different types of runners. There's the the, the runners who are injured. And then the runners who are about to be injured. So, so it's a. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but that's that's the same for a lot of things, including rugby players. <laughs> it's just a matter of time before you get injured. But um, <laughs> what what I see time and time again, particularly with runners, because the high impact nature of the, of, of the of the event just highlights weaknesses in the system. Is that most people who come? Well, but ninety-nine percent of people who come to me come to me with one pro, a problem on one side. So it's a knee, it's an ankle, it's an Achilles tendon. It's not both. It's no. It's it's rarely, if ever, both. And if it is both, it tends to be much worse on one side. So there is going to be an asymmetry in your system. So what you have to do is ensure that your the calf strength is the same on both sides. Your quad strength is the same on both sides. Hamstring strength, glute strength. You're trying to balance your system out. And ensuring you do that 
and maintaining that going forwards. And that's the same for cyclists as well. Same for anything, you know, same for anything really. But particularly for runners, if you can if you can get that sorted out, that stands you in good stead, not just for the for the for the short term race coming up, but long term as well. Because um, there's so much of of what of what we do, squats and lunges, and they it's always it the way it's 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 given out by the exercise industry and the, and the medical industry is very much right. This exercise works your glutes. This exercise works your hamstrings, and it's wrong. It's it's the wrong way to look at it because your brain will choose to do the exercise the way it wants to do it regardless of that the exercise does not impose upon the brain how it should be done the brain chooses to do it the way it wants to do it whether it's and it will do it the easiest way so if you've got an imbalance you've got one leg slightly stronger than the left uh, one so one one leg stronger than the other one when you're doing a squat your stronger leg will work more and you won't know you're doing it so it's important to um to yeah like that I Yeah, I, Greg. I mean, I think you're you're bringing up another point that I'm learning in midlife, which is I need help. Um, and so um, on this this topic in particular, I, I've got a trainer now, and and he's very good about uh, lower leg strength. And so we do a lot on the sled, we do a lot of toe races, we do a lot of calf races, and he's um, diligent about keeping my form. I, like others, I'd like to finish the exercise, but he makes me do it the right way too. Yeah. So um, it's, so that, that's, that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's quite it, a difference. It, I mean, if you've got someone helping you do that, that is absolutely brilliant because it's, it's, it's hard to not, it's hard to know what to do, how to do it correctly. Um, um, and if, but when you get it right, then it's, it's, it, it can, it can make a massive difference to people's. And, and, and what's what for me is what's surprising is what, I see it time and again. Clients are just so shocked when you when you demonstrate to them the difference in their leg strength, and they go, "How is my how is my right calf forty percent weaker than the other one?" <laughs> so, well, because your brain hides hides weaknesses really well. It's got built-in redundancy. It will you can you can function to a high level with weird stuff going on, but eventually the tissues just start saying, "No, I've had enough now." Um, but the stronger you are, then 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 the more the, the more resilient those tissues are, then the better you'll be. That that that's a um, that's a really good segue into this kind of second set of questions that I have for you guys, and, and you think about this all the time, and this notion of uh, one calf being forty percent stronger than the other, or, or, or something similar, um, leads me to think that. Um, I need some technical or quantitative uh, based baseline for my performance, right? Um, and so part of my questions that I, I think I put in the email to you guys was, is this the time for me to go get my VO2 maxed, uh, uh, VO2 max a reading done. Um, is this the time for, I do this thing called the DEXA where they kind of do the body scan and they tell you how much muscle you got versus how much bones you got. Um, and, uh, part of, uh, I think part of the, part of the, that process for me has, um, 
um, helped me establish a baseline and seeing kind of changes over a period of years. And, and so um, the question I have, and I'm thinking through the framework is, are there a set of numbers that would be helpful here? Or are there a set of tests that would be helpful here? Um, how should I think about either baseline now and how that will grow over time or baseline now and how that won't degrade over time? That's a great question, um, JC. Do you want to go on this and... one or, or you want to start this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a fabulous question. Um, I think, I think the short answer is um, that de there's definitely a case for some some data and some baseline data. I think the issue then becomes what is relevant to, to you, um, and sometimes that's industry, uh, sort of not industry, but but sports specific. So you know. If you're a cyclist, there would be certain data that would be relevant to you that's different to to a runner, for example, and and a rower, and so on and so forth. Um, and then there's probably just some generic stuff. So, um, VO two max possibly could be relevant to you. Uh, I would certainly um, there's probably some kind of benchmarking that you might want to do around strength, as Greg's Greg has talked about, which which again you can do um and then i would certainly have a think about um hrv heart rate variability um because uh not only would that sort of give you an indication or window into your sort of parasympathetic state so you know how stressed relaxed you are it can then help shape and inform your training so there's there's definitely some key things that i think it's worth not only doing from a baseline perspective, but then sort of actually keeping to on monitoring as you as you as you as you go on. Um, and then, you know, there'll be some stuff that's specific to your running that you may want to look at. So, you know, maybe you'll check your 5K time or whatever it might be over a period of time. But 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 actually, it's not what I would call a kind of core, uh, a, a core piece of data or core piece of measurement. Greg, do you? Uh... What Wanna I jump would in? say is, is um, yeah, um, I don't know if you listened to the podcast we did with Phil Cavell, who, who wrote the book The Midlife Cyclist. Um, but he was talking about um, some of the data um, that, that it's available to, to, to amateur cyclists these days. So the functional threshold of power, all these different things, VO2 max, lots of stuff that we can measure we get lots and lots of information but the question is what are you going to do with it so you know your vo2 max and you go brilliant okay so what does it mean <laughs> is it good uh, how, how do i make it better and uh, with vo2 max yeah you can get it better um, but it takes a long time to get it up um pardon the pun um but <laughs> but <laughs> but um your but in order to do that, you have to be very diligent with your with your endurance um, work. They're the eighty twenty rule. So it does go up, but it, it go up by small increments. But to a certain degree, you're pretty much there's pretty much set in terms of what you're going to get, how you what you start with. So someone like Greg Lemond, who, who had something like a stupid like a ninety eight um, um, uh, VO two max. I mean he's a bit of an outlier and, and was and was born with that ability he was a born was born to have that degree of of, of vo2 max so it, it's 
it's, it's a tricky it's a tricky one to answer in honesty jc because there are so many different metrics that's the problem but i would say that um if you can if you can maintain a symmetry of strength in your system okay so if you're able to you know from an injury perspective can you ex- do a quads knee extension of 100% of your body weight you know that's that's that demonstrates a fantastic degree of quad strength and um, that's that's one rm so that's one repetition max that's just a test can you do that can you do 20 to 30 single leg heel raises on both um, um, through full range that again demonstrates very good uh, strength um, it, within the calf um, you've got um, how much how much can you deadlift how much can you how much can you do on a single leg knee bend um, so on, in, in a gym on a leg press can you do a hundred you and know, fifty percent of your body weight with what with one repetition max so these are these are the sort of things that I, I look at and try and get my patients to aim for if they're particularly if they're runners but if but really that is now extending more into life in general if you, so if you can get strength for me is probably the big the best metric um because most most people most people would would benefit from being stronger your vo2 max will go up um but what are you going to do with the data when you get it so is it is it really so worth, i'm going i'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jump in and slightly disagree with Greg here on on VO2, um, and for one simple reason I think for two reasons really, um, VO2 uh, declines with age. We know that. Um, we also know that VO2 is a good indicator of how you are aging. So so if your drop off in VO2 is quite significant, you're probably not aging very well. So if you think about that longer term outcome. Um, then you want to be thinking about VO2. Um, the other thing about VO2 is if if you are arresting that decline, it shows that you're actually doing something useful and arresting that decline probably will mean that you're doing quite a bit of aerobic exercise. So as an endurance athlete, um, you want to be building and maintaining that aerobic engine and VO2 can give you an indication of what that what that aerobic engine is looking like um both as from achieving that sort of short-term outcome that you want the marathon right through to that to that longer term goal so that so that's i i wouldn't i, I wouldn't apply the vo2 and perhaps the way that um it, it's normally thought of it it's a slightly different perspective to it really Yeah, well, one, it's it's always good to bring out a disagreement between you guys. I think that that through sort of real podcast magic is made. Um, but two, uh, uh, th- um, thank you, thank you both. Um, I think the the that that's the thing, and this is pulling it out of me a bit. That's the thing that I would really love to get is a, and I think it comes from both of your answers, right, Craig, in the sense of you know your uh, various strength exercises and how you're doing vis-a-vis your body weight and Jason, maybe VO2 max over a period of time. But, you know, if I'm going to be deliberate about this, I'd love to have a marker that I can look at five and 10 years down the road and, and be, uh, 
be thoughtful around um, how progress or decline has been and, and, and try to manage a little bit around that. Um, I, I also acknowledge, as I'm saying these words, that the notion that of doing anything five or 10 years from now is really, really quite hard to, to plan to. Um, and I think it's probably how you think about your framework, right? Is, is that um, some of this stuff is, uh, is harder to map into, especially in future future years and future uh, it's stuff. interesting but these are um, these are great answers jc that um when you talk about uh, measurement and the reason why <clears throat> it, it is going to be slightly different but there was a really interesting perspective we had from a guy called joe eisenman um and he set particular goals for himself benchmark goals measurements things um at almost every birthday um and then at sort of certain milestones, so at sort of fourteen, fifty, and sixty, and, and and seventy, and we actually asked him, and he was he was thinking about stuff twenty years ahead. Um, but it would be good to maybe revisit, dig out that podcast, and just uh, maybe use them as a bit of an inspiration as to stuff that um, you might want to think about doing for your own personal um, goals. But he he had a very interesting way of looking at it. Um, and they wouldn't necessarily be the measurement and metrics and data that you um, immediately jump off, but very, very interesting perspective. We were um, cool. I'll check that J one out. J Jason and I have been have been mulling this this question over for for quite a while in terms of the midlife athlete. Uh, podcast talks to um, people who are trying to be athletic in their midlife, and so, yeah, you you're, you are preaching to the choir to a, to a degree. Um, so, how do we get people um, trying to get healthier um, um, sooner? And, and you have to start them have to start it when they're when they're young. Um, but I remember being young and not really ever really thinking ahead to my to my to my future. You know, when I was twenty, someone who was forty was ancient. Um, and so, but now I'm 55 and I'm, and I'm, I now think, God, if only I had started thinking about a little bit of this sooner, what would have happened? What would, what would be different? Um, no, I don't have any regrets as such, but it was just, just from, from an interesting, you know, from, from a, from a perspective again, what would have changed? What might've changed? Um, but, but the mindset of, of when we're younger, just, yeah, you can get away with it. You just don't worry about it. You can eat and drink whatever you want, and you run around on a rugby pitch, and and then everything's fine. I'll go to the gym, do a bit of work, do, do, do a bit of strength work, and that's it. Um, but if I would sort of knowing now, if I'd known then what I know now, crikey, <laughs> things may have been very different. Um, but but I, I, I certainly work better and train better when I've got a target, when I've got something to aim for, a goal, to do um otherwise otherwise my training can be very chaotic that that tracks that makes a ton of sense yeah. that and um i think yes if, if i knew then what i knew now uh dot 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 there's, there's a bunch mm -hmm. of different ways to end that sentence mm -hmm. um I, I think you guys are doing really just this this great work and bringing it out too i think that um, I appreciate. We thank you both for for having this chat. Um, it's been and having the, the podcast. So, JC, I think you were saying that you thought it was um, useful for you, and I think 
what was useful for me and why I was keen to kind of, we were keen to get you on is we felt that you were actually probably, there were the questions that you were asking, there was probably a whole bunch of people asking the same questions, right? And and so it was really good to kind of at least get you on and um, chuck those questions out there because, as I say, everyone's probably thinking, that's a question that was going through my mind. So um, I think we need to thank you for reaching out and uh, getting in touch with us and, and, and actually agreeing to come on and share you know, some, what, what you're grappling with. Oh, no, I, I appreciate it. I, like I said, this is a, this is a, a, a special opportunity for me to, to chat with you both. Um, and I think the work that you guys are doing is really uh, helping a ton of people. Um, and so um, on behalf of them and me personally, you know, thanks. No, thanks I appreciate, appreciate you, you coming on. Really do. And um, good luck with the training. Um, stay in touch with us. And, um, you know, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll figure out and who knows, we may even release a better version of the framework, which may help you, uh, along the way, which will be cool. Yeah. Send through revision too. I'll, I'll give you all my notes on that one. We'll do it. We'll do another version of it. Cheers, JC.